Hello my friends, this is Nikki. Today we'll be reading and paraphrasing from the poem of the Man God, Volume 1, Maria Valtorta, starting on page 42. And we'll be talking about Mary's presentation in the temple. Mary is walking between her father and mother along the streets of Jerusalem, heading to the temple where she's going to be consecrated as a virgin of the temple. She's only three years old. She's very beautiful and all dressed in white, and she's walking between her elderly parents who seem older and sadder and more tired because they are sacrificing their greatest joy in life, which is their daughter, uh, to God. And they do it with love and gladness because they love God very much, but it does take a great toll on them. They are both endeavoring to conceal their tears they proceed slowly, very slowly. Relatives Elizabeth and Zacharias join them. Anne says, You must not think that I am repenting or that I am giving my treasure to the Lord unwillingly. But it's my heart, oh, how my heart aches, my old heart that is returning to its childless solitude, if you could only feel. And Elizabeth says, I know, my dear Anne, but you are good, and God will console you in your solitude. Mary will pray for the peace of her mother, won't you, Mary? Mary caresses her mother's hands and kisses them. She presses them to her face to be caressed, and Anne holds her little child's face tightly in her hands and kisses it repeatedly. Zacharias enters and greets them, saying, May the peace of the Lord be with the just. Yes, replies Joachim. Implore peace for us, because our hearts are trembling in our offer, as Abraham's did when he was climbing the mountain. But we shall not find another offer to replace this one. Neither do we want it, because we are faithful to the Lord. But we are suffering, Zacharias. Since you are a priest of God, please understand us and do not be perturbed. Never, says Zacharias. On the contrary, your sorrow, which does not go beyond reasonable limits and does not shake your faith, teaches me how to love the Most High. But take heart. Anna the prophetess will take care of this flower of David and Aaron. At present she is the only lily of David's holy issue in the temple, and she will be taken care of as a royal pearl. Although we are approaching the time when the Messiah is to come, and the women belonging to the house of David should be anxious to consecrate their daughters to the temple, because the Messiah will be born of a virgin of David's issue. Yet, because of the general weakening of faith, the places of the virgins in the temple are empty. It is true that there are still thirty years to the appointed time, but then Zacharias looks at Mary thoughtfully. I will watch over her, he says. I am a priest and I have power in here. I will make use of it for this angel, and Elizabeth will often come to see her. Elizabeth says, Oh, certainly, I am in such need of God that I will come and tell this little girl so that she may tell the Eternal One. I am old, says Anne. I have never felt it so much as I do now in my great pain. I have given the last ounce of strength in my life to this flower, to bear her and to nourish her and now the pain of losing her is drawing my last strength away and dispersing it. Don't say that, says Elizabeth, for Joachim's sake. Yes, you are quite right. I will try and live for my husband. Joachim pretends he has not heard, 
intent as he is on listening to Zacharias, but he has heard, and he sighs deeply, his eyes shining with tears. Mary approaches the temple. The high priest looks at the little girl and smiles. He lifts his arms to the sky in prayer. They all bow their heads in perfect before the priestly majesty communicating with the eternal majesty. He takes her to the temple door, but before letting her in, he asks her, Mary of David, are you aware of your vow? When she replies yes in her silvery voice, he cries out, Go in then, walk in my presence and be perfect. Anne and Joachim cry, Let us give glory to the Lord who is receiving her in his house and is leading her along his path. Jesus says, The high priest had said, Walk in my presence and be perfect. The high priest did not know that he was speaking to the woman who was inferior in perfection only to God. But he was speaking in the name of God, and therefore his order was a sacred one. It is always sacred, particularly with regard to the virgin full of wisdom. Mary had deserved that wisdom should precede her and show itself to her first, because from the beginning of her day she had watched at its door, and wishing to be taught out of love, she wanted to be pure to achieve perfect love and deserve to have wisdom as her teacher. In her humility she did not know that she possessed wisdom before being born, and that the union with wisdom was but the continuation of the divine pulsations of paradise. She could not imagine that, when God whispered sublime words to her, in the depths of her heart, in her humility, she considered them thoughts of pride, and raising her innocent heart to God, she besought him, Lord, have mercy on thy servant. Oh, it is true that the true wise virgin, the eternal virgin, has had only one thought from the dawn of her days, to raise her heart to God from the morning of life, and to watch for the Lord, praying for the Most High, asking forgiveness for the weaknesses of her heart, as her humility convinced her. And she was not aware that she was anticipating the request for forgiveness for sinners that she would later make at the foot of the cross, together with her dying son. When the great Lord will decide, she will be filled with the spirit of intelligence, and will then understand her great mission. For the time being, she is only a child, who, in the sacred peace of the temple, establishes and re-establishes closer and closer connections, affections, and memories with her God. Walk in my presence, and be therefore perfect. I am slightly modifying the sacred phrase, and I am giving it to you as an order. Be perfect in love, perfect in generosity, perfect in suffering. Look once again at Mother and consider what so many ignore or wish to ignore because sorrow is too irksome to their taste and their spirit. Sorrow. Mary suffered from the very first hour of her life. To be perfect as she was implied the possession of a perfect sensitivity. Consequently, sacrifice was to be more piercing and thus more meritorious. He who possesses purity possesses love. Who possesses love possesses wisdom. Who possesses wisdom possesses generosity and heroism because he knows why he makes a sacrifice. Raise your spirit 
Even if the cross bends you, breaks you, and kills you, God is with you. This talks now about the death of Joachim and Anne. He says, Like a quick winter twilight, when the ice-cold wind gathers clouds in the sky, the lives of my grandparents had a quick decline after the sunshine of their lives was placed to shine before the sacred veil of the temple. The books of wisdom may be applied to all men who will find guidance in them and a light for the behavior, but happier are those who can be recognized amongst the spiritual lovers of wisdom. I surrounded myself with wise people in my human kinship, Anne, Joachim, Joseph, Zacharias, and even more, Elizabeth, and then the Baptist. Are they not real wise people? Not to mention my mother, the abode of wisdom. Wisdom had inspired my grandparents how to live in a way which was agreeable to God, from their youth to their deaths, and like a tent protecting them from the fury of the elements, wisdom had protected them from the danger of sin. The sacred fear of God is the root of the tree of wisdom that thrusts its branches far and wide to reach with its top tranquil love in its peace, peaceful love in its security, secure love in its faithfulness, faithful love in its intensity, the total, generous, effective love of saints. Who loves her loves life and will inherit life, says Ecclesiasticus. This sentence is linked with mine. Who loses his life for my sake will save it. Because we are not referring to the poor life of this world, but to the eternal life, not to the joys of one hour, but to the immortal ones. Joachim and Anne loved wisdom thus, and wisdom was with them in their trials. How many trials they experienced, whilst you men do not want to have to suffer and cry, simply because you think that you are not completely wicked. How many trials these two just people suffered, and they deserved to have Mary as their daughter. Political persecutions had driven them out of the land of David and made them excessively poor. They had felt sadness in seeing their years fading through without a child that would say to them, I shall be your continuation. And afterwards, the anxiety of having a daughter in their old age when they were certain they would never see her grow into a woman, and then the obligation of tearing her from their hearts to offer her on the altar of God. And again their life became an even more painful silence now that they were accustomed to the chirping of their little dove, to the noise of her little steps, to the smiles and kisses of their child, having to wait for the hour of God, their only company being the memories of the past. Yet... Anne and Joachim were loyal to God forever. Their strongest temptation was not to deny their declining lives the consolation of their daughter's presence. But children belong first to God and then to their parents. Every son can say what I said to my mother. Do you not know that I must be busy with my father's affairs? And every father, every mother, must learn the attitude to be maintained looking at Mary and Joseph in the temple, at Anne and Joachim in the house of Nazareth, a house which was becoming more and more forlorn and sad, but where one thing never diminished, but increased continuously, the holiness of two hearts, the holiness of marriage. And then they were overcome 
by a supernatural joy shining with a celestial light, a joy unknown to the children of the world, a joy that does not fade away when heavy eyelashes close on two dying eyes. On the contrary, it shines brighter in the last hour, illuminating the truth that had been hidden within them throughout their lives. And their lives passed away in the certainty of a happy future for themselves and their descendants, their trembling lips murmuring words of praise to God. Such was the death of my grandparents, such as their holy lives deserved. Because of their holiness, they deserved to be the first guardians of the Virgin beloved by God, and only when a greater sun showed itself at the end of their days, they realized the grace God had granted them. Because of their holiness, Anne suffered no pain in giving birth to her child. It was the ecstasy of the bearer of the faultless one. Neither of them suffered the throes of death, but only a weakness that fades away as a star softly disappears when the sun rises at dawn. And if they did not have the consolation of having me present as wisdom incarnate, as Joseph had, I was invisibly present, whispering sublime words, bending over their pillows to send them to sleep, awaiting their triumph. Someone may ask, why did they not have to suffer when generating and dying since they were children of Adam? My answer is, if the Baptist, who was a son of Adam and had been conceived with the original sin, was pre-sanctified by me in his mother's womb simply because I approached her, was no grace to be granted to the mother of the holy and faultless one. Mary had been preserved by God and bore God in her almost divine spirit, in her most pure heart, and was never separated from him since she was created by the Father and was conceived in a womb and then received into heaven to possess God in glory forever and ever. I also answer, an upright conscience gives a peaceful death and the prayers of saints will obtain such a death for you. Joachim and Anne had a whole life of upright conscience behind them, and such a life rose like a beautiful landscape and led them to heaven, while their holy daughter was praying before the tabernacle of God for her parents far away, whom she loved with the perfect supernatural love.